Hi and welcome to Personal Finance with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need, especially right now as lockdown eases and the world tries to figure out how much financial damage has actually been done. On our first couple of podcasts, we looked at redundancy and how to make the best of that situation with regard to your finances and financial planning for those of us with young or growing families, which again, at a time like now, draws into sharp focus the need to set something up, if you can, to provide for your family in the event something unexpected happens, whatever that may be. So you lay out the best options for their future that you can. If you missed either of those episodes, I would urge you to go back and take a listen. There's a stack of good advice there. Uh, and some of it really surprised me because you assume the likes of redundancy on the surface of it is all doom and gloom, but really it's not. Uh, and there are loads of financial tips at Phil Dispenses which can improve your situation. Likewise, on financial planning for those with young and growing families, you might think it's all wills, trust funds, what to do for your kids so they're not skimp what you're dead. Uh, there is a bit of that, but there's so much more about the uh, the sorts of things you can do for their finances while you're very much here in the land of the living and able to affect change in their futures, giving you that peace of mind that you've set them up and done everything you could to give them a great start. So again, take a listen if you're interested. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. And please remember to rate and review us and subscribe. And that way you'll never miss an episode again. It'll drop for you every week, box fresh. Now this week, a very interesting one, especially now, because we're, we're looking at mortgages. And if you've been watching the lending market in recent days or weeks, you'll know it tends to change quicker than Superman in a phone box. One second, there's a mortgage deal to be had. The next, it's gone. I, I guess, Phil, um, it's all down to uncertainty in the marketplace and also companies not being able to deal with requests the way they normally do because their staff aren't all back in the offices yet. I know at, at the moment, it's strange kind of times just now when the lenders have, they, they don't have the same appetite for lending money just quite at the moment as what they did previously. Or certainly not so much that they don't have the appetite, it's maybe more that they're, they don't want to take risks just now. So we, we've really found over the last month or two, the higher loan to value mortgages have been harder to get. I mean, like, I don't know, before lockdown, you could get 95% mortgages easily enough, whereas at the moment, even getting a 90% mortgage is, is more tricky. So even people with, with 10% deposits are finding it quite hard. So a lot less choice at the moment. Bring me up to speed then. Some mortgage providers helped their customers by offering uh, mortgage payment holidays for three months or so. That, uh, by my reckoning, if you were able to and you needed to take advantage of it, is pretty much over. So the mortgage market right now, I sense, as you say, is, is being pretty cautious. Yeah, been been a lot of changes as well. I mean, there, there's still lenders doing the, the holiday sort of breaks for, for people just now. Um, and there's still quite a lot of people on these payment holidays to try and save them or reduce their monthly outgoings. But um, is the, the, the criteria is chopping and changing so much. Um, I was speaking to Neil, our main mortgage advisor here uh, just last week, and he was telling me that TSV have now came in and said that if anybody's furloughed, they won't take that income into account, whereas previously they were taking it into account. So there's things changing all the time. Lenders are kind of assessing it and thinking, well, is there going to be more redundancies to come? So they're very cautious mm. at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that thinks we bailed you lot out. Help us. <laughs> I know. Yes. Like the, the government are trying to do things. Like they, they've, one thing we'll probably touch on soon is things like the, the changes in stamp duty and in Scotland it's called land and buildings transaction tax. So the, there's, the government's trying to do things to get the market moving, but it just that the lenders need to be lending more, especially in the to, to first time buyers. Okay, well, let's assume you are in the market to buy a house or you want to be in that market. What we're going to do in this episode is look at the 10 steps to buying your new home. Step one, it says here, uh, is about knowing your budget, how much you have to to reasonably spend on your new home. This will just show how long ago it is since I bought a house. But back when we last bought, I think the rough formula was uh, the amount that you could borrow was something like three and a half times your salary salary if you were uh, a, a sole buyer or two and a half times your joint salary, less any debts you'd accrued. Where are we now? Is there a magic, easy-to-remember formula? Yeah, and- I, I remember those days well. And, <laughs> and was, I remember at one point you, you were able to borrow, some lenders were allowing you to borrow up to five, yeah. six times your, your income, which, which was is crazy. But what the lenders try to do now is they, they tend to take more, they, I wouldn't say a case-by-case approach, but they'll look and say, right, what have you got coming in? And what's going out because you could have two people with the same wages coming in but their spending habits could be just really quite different so lenders will tend to say look step one would be get your paperwork together lenders will typically ask for three months bank statements three months pay slips and um, or if you're self-employed they'll, they'll look for maybe a couple of years books from you and um, they like to see what's coming in what's going out um, so so part of the initial step would be looking at the the documents that you would need and then from there we can work out how much you can borrow um, and then start looking at what the the monthly payments would be can you afford that going forward okay Um, and then when it comes to finding a mortgage well I guess uh, things are maybe slightly easier for for you just now so much as there aren't that many mortgages about but in in general terms it comes to finding a mortgage what's what's happening at that point yeah, that, that's where it's good to speak to a mortgage broker. The, the good thing, I mean, you can go direct to the, the banks, but the, the, the good thing about a mortgage broker is they can do all the shopping about for you. Um, so they, they, the benefit of, of using a whole of market broker is they'll, they'll have access to all the different banks, all the different building societies. Um, so it saves you a lot of time and, and hassle having to do it all yourself. And Step two would be just looking at all the different mortgages available, finding the one that's going to be most appropriate to the individual's needs, um, and then getting what's called an agreement in principle where the lenders will carry out an initial credit check. They'll look at what you've got coming in, look at what you've got going out and say, yeah, based on that, in theory, we would lend you X amount. Um, that thing means that you can go and have a look at properties knowing that you're kind of on the, the way to, to getting a mortgage. You mentioned there, uh, speaking to a financial advisor, are there any financial advisors who perhaps are tied in with specific lenders that, that you know, they're, they're inclined to go towards one more than the others. I mean, if, if, you, if you went to a, a certain bank or building society, they would only be able to deal yeah. with their 
products. Whereas if you go to a, a whole market mortgage broker, they, they would have access to all the different lenders. You, you do get some brokers that only deal with maybe a certain panel, but the bulk of mortgage companies would tend to be whole of market where they'll look at all the different not only banks and building societies, but specialist lenders and, and things as well to make sure you're getting the best options for your needs. Okay, so you've, you've got your agreement in principle, let's assume. Uh, yeah. At some point, we have to get lawyers involved, don't we? Yeah, that, that would be step three, would be instruct a solicitor. Okay. The, the solicitors play quite a, an important part in the process as well because they, they're able to guide you on like maybe how much you should offer for a property. They'll they'll know the market well and say, right, at the moment, the demand's high, so you might have to pay over the asking price. Or in a lot of cases over the last few years, they, they would often say, look, it's maybe on a fixed price or on an offers over such and such, but let's try an offer and, and see if we can get it a wee bit less than that. Yeah, it's that Phil and Kirsty moment, isn't it? Let's sit in the pub <laughs> with your drinks and, uh, and make an offer. Let's go in 20 grand below. Um, so you, you go and you, you make that offer with your agreement and principle in place. Let's say they, they, they accept. What, what's the next stage? Yeah. After that, that's when the solicitor will put in like a, a formal offer at that stage. So they, they'll put in the offer, agree a price. At that point, that's you've already got the mortgage agreed in principle. Um, so the next stage there is to, to sort of crack on with the full mortgage application uh, at that point as well. So the solicitor is putting in the actual offer um, and at that stage the mortgage advisor can work off exact figures to say right you're purchasing for this price and you're putting down a deposit of x amount um, and then they can work out exactly who has got the best mortgage at that specific for you and presumably at that point um, lenders tend to get forensic in terms of what they're looking for from you so you know there's there's things like um, your birth certificate your dog's birth certificate and all that sort of stuff coming into play is they, they tend to ask the, the main thing that, that most will ask for is three months bank statements, three months pay slips tend to be the, the main okay. things. If someone's already got a mortgage, they, they may ask for a, a latest annual mortgage statement. But you tend to find that the mortgage statements often don't get asked for because that'll show up in people's credit search if they've got mortgages and yeah. loans. And one of the things I find frustrating um, in the past, you get a lot of clients that often think, oh, can they going to tell you about this mispayment oh. or this loan that I've got? And, and I would always say that the best advice is anybody applying for a mortgage is be honest because the lenders pick all that sort of stuff up. Um, so it's definitely best. It, it certainly helps the mortgage advisor more as well and save them a lot of time and, and things if people are honest and just say, look, this is my situation and take it from there. Okay, back to our buying the uh, house in 10 steps. Uh, step five, we're halfway there. It says property check here. This is presumably where you make sure everything's above board and there's no leaks. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the good thing now in, in Scotland is that every property being sold has got to, to have a home report. Um, so the home report's the, the valuation that's been done. So the surveyor will give you an idea of what he thinks it 
the house is valued at. Um, but they'll also look at things like, is there any essential works need done? Um, is the property mortgageable? That, that's another thing that the Home Report will tell us because in, in the Home Report, there'll be the, the mortgage valuation report, which is usually about three or four pages long. And in there, um, so for example, somebody might be agreed in principle for a mortgage, but let's say they then look at like a wooden property. So I know in Aberdeen, um, in South Shedicksley, there's quite a lot of wooden properties there. Now, very few lenders will lend on that type of property. Yeah. Uh, you tend to find that maybe Santander, Halifax, they tend to be the best ones for that. So you, you might have a mortgage agreed in principle with, say, Nationwide, but they might not lend on that specific property. So um, it's important the mortgage advisor and the solicitor would check through the home report, make sure everything's okay. And plus, for, from a consumer point of view, um, you'll get some people that want to, to do up properties and, and spend a bit of time and, and effort doing that. But then you'll get other people that just want to move into something and think, I don't want something that's got wet rot or dry rot or... Um, the, the home report is quite an, an important thing in the process as well. I tell you, the distinction for us on, on whether to do up a house or not is before kids, yes. After kids, <laughs> no. It's just it's a no go zone. It's not it's not worth doing. I, I know we've obtained um, the likes of home reports from the the sellers solicitor to see if there are any red yeah. flags before we view the property, and in some cases, not bothered to view based on the home report um, sort of flagging up the work required. That's probably yeah. quite common now. Yeah, definitely. The the home reports are good because it can give you an idea before you actually go and, yeah. and see somewhere and they, they're quite readily available as well so um, it is good to have a look through the home report just see I mean if, if it turned out for example that the home report said right there's 10 grand of essential works if you didn't have much of a deposit you might think well I can barely get the deposit without mm-hmm. doing the works mm-hmm. as well because the, the, the other thing with the home reports the lenders will usually accept them as long as they're been done within three months now over the lockdown period, you, you've got properties on the market for several months and people yeah. have not been able to go and view them. But usually what will then happen is the solicitor will arrange with the, the selling solicitor to, to get that updated. So, so they'll take care of all that side of things. And not only that, like valuations change because the property values six months ago will be different from what they are today. So the longer a property has been on the market, you might look at the home report and think, well, hang on, that was valued at 120,000 then, but it's maybe less than that now. Mm -hmm. So you look at that sort of thing as well. I, I would have absolutely no clue, but my assumption would be that given what's happened over the last period of time, the property values in general would have gone down, but you'll probably tell me that they've gone up for, for no apparent reason. Yeah, I mean, it, at the minute, the demand is really high. I mean, oh, okay. we, I, I would actually say that this last month has probably been the most mortgage inquiries I've seen coming in for many a, for, uh, for a long, long time. The, the unfortunate thing at the minute is that it is getting a lot more difficult to get mortgages, especially if people have had any like missed credit payments in the past, that kind of isn't going down well with the lenders at the minute. Um, and certainly the bigger deposit somebody's got as well definitely, definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to our 10 steps. Uh, this is the point presumably where your lender, if everything is is agreeable issues an official offer for your mortgage that's it yeah step six i've put down the 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 mortgage offer so the that's basically just the commitment from the lender to say right we're offering you this money at this 
terms. Um, so again, the the client gets a copy of that. If they use a mortgage broker, they would get a copy, which they would check off to make sure everything's correct. And the solicitor will get a copy as well. And that's what they'll use to do the basis for, for all their kind of legal documents that they've got. It's handy having experts in at that point, because I know for me, whenever I get anything like that to look at, it might as well be in Mandarin, because I just <laughs> I just cannot make head nor tail of it. I don't know why. It's like a different language in itself. Yeah. They have um, tried to kind of... And I like standardize everything to make it no, like the, the mortgage illustrations um, they're, they're more standardized to try and help people compare lender to lender um, and the mortgage offers all come out in a set way now as well and they are meant to be like done not in plain English but they're meant to be in a a manner that clients will understand, but I must admit, when you see all the small print, sometimes documents can be twenty pages long. Yeah. It's like, oh man! So, but that's where your your mortgage broker and your yeah. solicitor can come in because they'll they'll keep you right with the, the key and most important parts of it. And is there is there a finite time where you, as the um, the customer, have to turn around and say yes, we'll we'll accept that, or no, we won't. The most mortgage offers tend to be valid for, for about three months. Um, I think on new build properties, some of the lenders will have them valid for six months. Um, so once you've got the mortgage offer, there will be an expiry date somewhere on there. But yeah, nor- normally most mortgage offers would be valid for, for three months. But it's important to note as well that like, if you've got a mortgage offer, that's based on your circumstances when you applied for the mortgage. So if if your circumstances were to change, so let's say you, you were made redundant, that's when it, it's a condition of that offer that you've got to go back and say to the lender, look, things have changed, and then they would reassess it at, at that point as well. I wonder if that's where a lot of um, your, your mortgage business is coming at this stage from people who are suspecting perhaps that they'll be made redundant and they're trying to maybe take things down um, yeah. at, at a point where they, they still have earnings coming into the, the house that they're currently in. I, I don't know. Just a, yeah. just I, a I, sometimes, I sometimes wonder just now if the demand as well as you've, you've got people that maybe haven't been working for, for so long, they maybe been stuck at home with their mum and dad and they're thinking, right, now I want to go and buy a place myself, I don't know. But it is just, and also I think it's like, you've got several months inquiry, like several months where there wasn't much new mortgage inquiries coming in. And I, I sometimes think it's like, is it all just bottled up into one? So you, you've almost yeah. got like four yeah. months worth of inquiries all coming in in one go. But the, it's positive that there's plenty of people out there still considering buying and one to Absolutely. Uh, and back to uh, our steps, we're on to step seven. Um, again, at any time, uh, important, possibly right now, this has really got a spotlight shining on it. Protecting yourself, it says here. Yeah. I, 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 can, uh, I read an article yesterday where it said that people at the minute are three times more likely to consider income protection yeah. than they were like pre-lockdown. So it's a big important factor when when you're taking out a mortgage, like you you want to be able to afford the mortgage, but you don't want to lose the property that you've bought. So uh, it's important to sit down and look at things like the the only insurance that's mandatory and you've got to take out is buildings insurance. But most people are going to take, not only want to insure the building, but they'll want to insure the contents as well. Um, So again, a lot of mortgage advisors will, will be able to help with all of this sort of stuff as well. And also 
So you've got buildings and contents insurance, but you also want to look at things like life insurance, critical illness cover, income protection. Now, there, there's some of these things that will be more relevant to, to others. I mean, if, if you're a young family with kids looking to buy a property, then life insurance is going to be a really high priority. If you're a single person with no dependents, life insurance isn't quite so important. So then you're maybe wanting to look at something. If I, You maybe think, right, if I'm off for any period of time sick, how is my mortgage going to get paid? So a good mortgage advisor will go through all that different options with someone as well to say, right, let's look at buildings and contents insurance and all your sort of protection needs okay. as well. Um, the, the life cover, presumably, in this instance, w- what you're doing is ensuring yourself so that in the event of your death, your mortgage is still paid up. Yeah. I mean, if if you take, let's say, a joint mortgage um, where two people are on the same type of income and maybe they they stretch themselves to buy as nice a place as they can afford, if one of them was to die, you've then got to think, right, that's half that income gone. So it's like, could, could you afford it? on just one income and the chances are most times it's going to be no. So, so it's definitely worth considering. And like cost wise, you, you tend to find the younger you are, the cheaper the premiums on the protection policies. Um, also factors to take into account would be if, if someone's a smoker, they're going to pay more because the risks are higher that they would die or suffer a critical illness. Someone's health as well impacts on it, their age. So, so there's quite a lot of factors. But that, that's when, when you're looking at the affordability, that's where a, a mortgage advisor will say, look, this is how much your mortgage is going to cost and this is an idea how much it's going to cost for all the various other things. And that, when you're looking at the affordability, it's not just about like the insurance policies that go along with it, but you've also got to think, right, how much is your council tax going to be? How much is your bills? You're you're going to then have like maybe gas, electricity, food. It's taking all of that into account with with things as well. Yeah. You might be thinking, oh, I fancy that home in the country. And then you get out there and realise you don't have mains gas and it's going to become an LPG and sit in a tank. And that's that's it. Trust me, a completely different cost, yeah. (laughs) Um, Back to our 10 steps. We're assuming that you're protected now. You complete the sale. Yep. Your solicitor agrees a date where basically you get your keys, I assume. That's right. So step eight, we've complete the sale, and that's where the solicitor is basically doing things at that point. So in Scotland, they they call it concluding missives. So basically, once the missives are concluded, that's you legally bound to, to purchase that property. Um, so again, the solicitor keeps you right with, with all of that step. And then the next step after that is sort of like finalising the legal. So that, that's where, again, solicitor will do all that sort of thing. Um, they'll arrange to collect the, well, it's not called stamp duty anymore. In Scotland, it's called land and buildings transaction tax. So the, the LBTT, as it's known, the solicitor will arrange all of that. So that kind of brings us into step nine there as well. I, I've noticed um, on occasions where we've sort of looked around new houses a lot of new builds that's occasionally waived as an incentive to buy the, the LBTT, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes what will often happen is the builders will maybe say, right, we're going to pay that yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, you. You used to get, like I haven't seen it 
like in this area for a long, long time. But the, the government used to do things where they were maybe trying to regenerate an area and they would say, right, if you buy in that particular area, there's no stamp duty to pay. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen that in a, a long time. But what, what they do have on at the minute is the, until the third day, sorry, I think it's until the end of March next year, 2021, there's no land and buildings transaction tax on purchases up to 250000 Okay. So that's something that they've done just to try and kickstart the market, maybe help first-time buyers out. The, the stamp duty rates, I mean, usually if you're buying between 145000 and $250,000, this, this rate's 2%. Once you go above that, 250000 to 325000 it's charged at 5% on that mm-hmm. part of it. Um, and it goes all the way up to, if you're buying over 750000 the rate then goes up to 12% on their part above that. So it's a fair... It's a fair, fair whack. It's pretty significant, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's waived for the time being, as you say, until March of 2021. Yeah, so at, at the minute, yeah. um, there's no land and buildings transaction tax on purchases up to 250000 okay. and that's until the end of March... 2021. Uh, that, by my count, means that we've made it all the way to step 10, Phil. Uh, and all it says here is enjoy your new home. Yeah, that's it. Like by, the, by that time, all the, the hard work of getting the mortgage has been done. And it is, it's just like move in and enjoy it because at the end of the day, that, that's what you're working hard for is to, to get the roof over your head, get a nice property. Um, so it is, that, that's probably the most important part. Uh, it seems simple the way that we've sort of batted it out there. Any possible complications? I seem to remember when we bought, things like buyer chains didn't really seem to exist in Scotland. That doesn't seem to be true anymore. Explain to me um, the scenario of how a sale can fall through through no fault of your own. I've seen it. I mean, like especially with, with lenders' criteria being a bit tougher at the minute, I mean, I, I, I took a phone call from somebody yesterday that, that had a 95% mortgage agreed pre-lockdown. But now, I mean, like now at the minute, there's not many lenders doing 90% mortgages. So they need to find a bigger deposit. So that's a situation where somebody might have had something agreed previously and now they, they kind of go ahead with that. But once your offer goes in, somebody can still... Like in theory, they can still accept another offer, or they could draw and pull out. But once the missives are concluded, that's when it's legally binding yeah. at that point. But we are quite lucky in Scotland; we don't have the same like chains as what they have down south, because down down there, they they often don't like they, down there. It's called conclude, uh, or sorry, up here it's conclude missives. Down there, it's exchanging contracts. Right. But they, they tend to leave it very late in the day before they exchange contracts. And then it means that if one pulls out, there can be a huge chain. But it's definitely not as bad in Scotland as where it is down south. Okay. Uh, and as time goes by, your, your needs or your situation might change. I'm thinking if you want to build maybe an extension or, or renovate part of your home and do it through using your mortgage, uh, which in turn will presumably also affect your other insurance protections or even small things. For instance, you, you get a new piece of jewelry like an eternity ring or something like that and you want to add it to your building and contents insurance, it's going to affect your payments subtly there, isn't it? Yeah, it's good to, to keep reviewing the mortgage like on an ongoing basis. We, we normally, like if someone was on, for example, a two-year fixed rate, maybe about 
18, 19, 20 months in, we would contact them and say, right, let's have a look at the options for when your deal expires. Um, but that's also a good opportunity to say, do you need to borrow more money for, yeah. for an extension? Um, has your family situation changed to review maybe your life in, insurance? So it is, it's good to kind of just keep reviewing things every so often just to make sure that, that everything is the best it can be for you. Now, on the, uh, the first couple of episodes where we looked at redundancy and financial planning for those with younger growing families. Phil gave us a look back over his own life story and how being made redundant can sometimes be uh, the catalyst for positive change uh, as it was in his case. And the message from Phil at that point was to be positive. Then came the explanation of why financial planning for your family becomes a real requirement when, uh, when like Phil, you've got six boys bouncing about, your own team to manage if they ever resurrected tenant sixes. Um, mm-hmm. This week, Phil, what have you got from your own history on, uh, on mortgages? I, I remember... The very first time I took a mortgage out, you're looking 20 years ago now, I, I spent the day going up and down Union Street. Um, back then, there was a lot more mortgage-type places. You had the banks, you had different mortgage shops and things there. There's not the same high street presence as what there used to be, but I, I remember going in and out all these different places, everyone saying different things. And honestly, by the end of it, I was taught-headed. I was just like, man, it was... And, and that was... You had some people... Back then, you had some folk recommending endowment mortgages. You had others recommending repayment mortgages. Some saying do fixed rates. Some of the banks would only have certain products, so they were punting them more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely say that the best bit of advice I could give anybody would be go to a, a good mortgage broker, let them do all the, the hard work yeah. because it, it can be quite stressful um, because uh, looking back at my own time, when I, the first time I bought, things just sort of seemed to pass me by and it just seemed to happen. Um, I got a mar- mortgage with the Bradford and Bingley um, and I didn't know much about what went on. But then the next time I bought, it, everyone seemed to think, oh, it fits into place. I know what I'm doing. I've done it before. So um, it is, it's good. I, 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 when I was actually advising myself, I used to enjoy dealing with first-time buyers because you're helping them try to take the stress out of it for them. Yeah. That's yeah. really the thing. Man, my, my own experience first time around was really, I wouldn't say stressful, but it kind of, it, it was interesting. That's that's for sure. Yeah, well, they say the... Uh... The three most stressful things you can do in your life are move house, get married, and learn to drive. And I was doing all three at the same time. <laughs> so I've no more house since. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many people apply for a mortgage and then go on holiday or then oh. buy a car. It just is nuts because the, the, the amount of times you'd be doing a mortgage application for somebody and then you maybe need a document or you need to speak to them about something and they're away in Spain or somewhere and you're like, oh, this is nuts. <laughs> and then, same as well, the amount of folk that you, you'll have the mortgage all agreed and then they'll come back in to do the full mortgage application and then they're like you've been in change oh I've bought a car I've just taken out a loan and you're like oh man it's just like keeps us in our exactly Um, we always do this bit as well Phil you you find inspiration through various people you admire You're, you're the fan of an inspirational quote we know that have you got one that kind of fits our subject matter today a word or two of wisdom to take away from a podcast focusing on mortgages 
I've the quote of the week this week. There is no place like home, and that came from that came from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so I guess that's quite relevant to what we're speaking about just now. True enough. I mean, you spend you spend the majority of your life there, but you know, yeah. I mean, while well, you're on the planet, that's where you are most of the time. Um, now, to summarise in this episode, mortgages. What are the takeaway points? You joked with me in email the other day. It's it's a really easy three steps. One, contact Phil. Two, let us do all the work. Three, enjoy a new home. I know you typed that jokingly, but it's pretty yeah. much spot on, right? It is. I mean, like we, we've gone through like 10 steps just to, to kind of go through the, the process and explain a wee bit about how it works and, and things. But it really it is. I, I often, like when, when I do posts on Facebook, on, on my works page, I often put, it's like the, the three steps, contact us or contact a, a mortgage broker, let them do all the, the hard work and then enjoy your home. So it is really three yeah. steps. That's trying to make it simple. Yeah, I mentioned this last week. Phil is, is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please feel free to do so. And as always, uh, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Uh, let me get on to this week's contact details if you want to send in your question coming up after we do these. I've chosen a couple to focus on here, uh, both to do with redundancy, actually, Phil. This uh, first one comes from someone who's at the slightly older end of things. Uh, let's call him Bert Fay uh, Bert is 57. He works for an oil and gas company currently, which has announced it's going through restructure uh, as a result of the pandemic. Uh, and because of that, Bert is expecting redundancy, asking for the best way to invest a lump sum to avoid as much as possible paying tax and also how to make his money work for him. So quite a lot to cover there. 57 years old, expecting to be laid off, but with a healthy whack. What to do to avoid tax and make the money work as hard as it can for him. With the redundancy payments, if, if it's over £30,000, you have to, to pay tax on, on the additional amount over that. Um, so again, that, that's where good financial planning can try and reduce someone's tax bill. Um, with, with respect to where to put the money, a lot of that will depend on the risks that someone's willing to take and also what they plan to use the money for. If if that's money that they think, right, I'm going to have to use this and to supplement my income, but I'm going to need to use this to pay bills and you would really want to keep that money accessible and not be investing it in anything. Certainly wouldn't be them wanting to take any risks with it, but it is, it's kind of down to the individual's circumstances. So I'd probably say the best thing there would be to, to look for, for financial advice and, and kind of see, right, what's your own personal circumstances and, and then kind of get an advisor to, to help you from there. Yeah. Uh, and question two um, is from, let's say, uh, Maggie and Maud. I'm going to have fun, <laughs> fun with these over the weeks, I can tell. <laughs> Maggie from Maud doesn't say, but she strikes me as a slightly younger listener, uh, also just made redundant in this case, but wanting to invest her lump sum by way of security so she can have peace of mind that her boy and girl uh, will be best looked after in the interim in the event something like this happens again, given you know the uncertainty of the market and the future that we're entering into. So what types of thing uh, could she invest in? probably still the same again it depends like how long you're looking to, to leave that money for um, do you plan on spending it I mean if, if there's money that you're looking to put into something and leave then there's quite a lot of different options that someone can look at and again I mentioned about like risk as well because you, you've got like deposit accounts where there's less risk. You've still got the inflation risk, but theoretically you've got a much less risk. Whereas 
someone might invest in buying a property, they might invest in stock market. There's a lot of different options out there. So it's getting something that fits. And, and again, I'd probably say for, for her as well, best thing would be to speak to a financial planner who can sit down and, and kind of really assess your individual circumstances and, and look at everything overall. I would just say as well, for both of those questions, the real well to tap uh, is our podcast collection so far, which uh, has looked at both redundancy and financial planning for families, really goes in depth into both those subjects. Details for where you can find those in just a second. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything that we've been discussing or anything else uh, of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online and on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter or LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and he could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. It'll be in complete confidence and you'll be Ursula from Adney Green or something similar. Uh, Remember, if you find this useful, please rate and recommend us and please subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts uh, then you'll get us every week with the info that you want when you need it and if you prefer to watch the show phil's trustworthy smiley helpful face appears in our video version as well which you'll find on youtube you've got all the links you need on phil's social media good luck with your money phil doing his best to help make that cash go further we'll see you next time thanks for listening